it's like my temperature dropped, my heart dropped, and the hairs all over my body just sprung to life knowing that, yeah, this was the moment that life changed. Welcome back to the Pajama Interviews. This week we have Kath Elliott. Now, Kath's the founder of My Breast Friend, and she had a very shocked diagnosis of breast cancer in 2019. Now, what's really great about how Kath handled that experience is that she got clear about how she wanted to interact with people in her life and how she wanted to interact with them around her diagnosis. And listen at the end, because there's a great announcement this week of the perfect, perfect resource for you if you're living with chronic illness and want to set boundaries. Okay, let's dive in with Kath. Hi, Kath. Welcome to the Pajama Interviews. So, Kath, I'm wondering if you'd like to share with us really what life was like before you discovered the breast lump and then really what you thought in that moment, like what what was that segue for you into a whole new world? Mm-hmm. Thanks, Michelle, for being here. It's a real honour to be able to share my experience. Uh, I really believe that storytelling is so powerful and um, to be able to have, yeah, the privilege to continue to share my stories, yeah, I'm very grateful f- for the opportunity. So life before I found the breast lump for me was I was a busy working mum working in kind of the fast-paced industry of PR part-time. I had three sons, you know, um, a a marriage of I think sort of 18 years. Uh, We just sold our house. We'd moved into a new house. We'd just got a puppy. Life was was really, really busy. Uh, You know, I've got three brothers. My parents are still alive, you know, a a large sort of social uh, network as well. So life was, uh, I guess, it was busy and I would say in many ways it was fulfilling. I had uh, been on, I guess, a little bit of a, I would say, a deeper uh, journey prior to being diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, I started to do a bit of uh, spiritual work on myself, a deeper dive into kind of what's more in our hearts. Um, I started to do quite a bit of, of yoga, meditation. Um, I had this yearning in me for more uh, and it was it was something that I was searching out I think more and more before uh, my breast cancer, I guess, diagnosis and finding the lump. And look, there were, and there, yeah, and I think there were a, a number of areas in my life that I would say were a little bit dysfunctional, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, when I found the lump, finding the lump was like for me one of those life-changing moments Uh, so not everyone with a breast cancer diagnosis has that actual moment but for me it felt like I had this download that I needed to 
look at my body. I was really, I was in this kind of mad panic getting ready for work and we, I just bought this mirror, this floor-to-length mirror that had only arrived the week before. And I thought, yeah, and I thought I have to look at myself in the mirror, which I had not done and, and I had to be present. And it was in that moment when I glanced up and I looked up and I, I saw on my right breast something that just hit me. It didn't look right. I could see this dimpled skin and then the physical uh, reaction to that feeling then was just something I've never experienced before. My whole body sort of, it's like my temperature dropped, my heart dropped and the hairs all over my body just sprung to life knowing that, yeah, this was the moment that life changed for me from that point. That's when I then sort of Tra- traumatically the response was to sort of scream and like I felt it initially and then I sort of uh, my reaction was to kind of press it and press it away I was like oh no it's not a lump oh and I so I started and then I realized and I called down to my husband and he came up and then he felt it and and from there it um you know, we I started the um, process of um, going to see a doctor and all of that, that and, then, and then that obviously led me to the diagnosis. But instinctually in my own body I knew that I had breast cancer as soon as I'd found the lump. It was just it felt, it felt that way. And um, so I wasn't, I guess, so shocked when I got the actual diagnosis a couple of days later. I'd sort of had that basic acceptance within myself already, although it wasn't complete, I guess. Right. So one of the things I'm curious about is even before that moment, there was this part of you looking for more. And I'm just wondering if we could stop in that moment and capture what what was the more that you were looking for or what was it the sense and feeling? Because I feel like as we talk about what happened next that more and that looking for more really came into presence with you over the following 12 and 18 months yeah I think the more was that there was this feeling in my life that a lot of time was spent sort of living on this kind of on the surface on a a superficial sort of a surface level Mm -hmm. and that a lot of people were operating on that on that level uh, and seemed happy and there wasn't, uh, I guess, that real sharing of deep feelings in terms of, I guess, the more difficult and uncomfortable things that happen in life and that uh, I get, and I guess for me, I had this yearning to want to share more more of that side of life and what was going on, I guess, in, in relationships but also in myself and in yeah. um, in the experiences I was having with myself as a woman um, going through, uh, you know, there are so many phases in our lives but that there wasn't a real opportunity to get into the real nitty-gritty of, of what those emotions were and how um, we could connect with discussing those sorts of sorts of feelings. So I think for me it was really, it really was about a much 
deeper dive into the uncomfortable and the, and the the shadow side and the darker stuff yeah. that goes on in all of our lives that we often push aside or don't share or pretend isn't really happening. And so for me that was that was a theme that was coming up coming up a lot and yeah. um, I also and you know I've I've spoken about this with a number of people but I I also had a problematic relationship I think with alcohol over a long period of time that I used alcohol as a way to sort of numb and medicate uh, when I was going through difficult times and so I was really also very um, I guess I was very committed to taking that out of my life as well so that I could start to really release all the emotions that had been repressed for a long period of time and and that's what I've noticed in, in the 18 months since I've stopped drinking and had breast cancer that it's incredible what will come up from the past even 20 30 40 years ago there's still stuff that I'd I'd push down that that um hadn't I hadn't really I, I think dealt with in a in a healthy way I think what's so fascinating to me is that in my experience of chronic illness, time is something you get. Like time gets to be very focused when you're unwell. And even though you're going to medical appointments and you're getting tests and scanned and the anxiety of what your condition is or how you're going to manage, there is also this sense of which time becomes very, very personal. And what I'm curious about in your experience, Kath, is that you found a lump on the morning you were going to work and then my understanding is like a week later you were in surgery. Is that right? A week later I was I was in, in chemotherapy. So basically a week later, yeah, I found the lump on a Wednesday. Yep. The following Thursday, I started chemotherapy and prior to that, I had gone in and had a, a, a port put into my arm. So, yeah, it was an extremely quick process from finding the lump to actually being in, in treatment. And, again, that's not everyone's experience sure. of breast cancer, but for me it was uh, huge. Like most people I talk to, it didn't happen yes. that quickly um, but for me that was that was the decision that I made and also just how it happened I guess as well. And then you've started chemo you've suddenly flipped out of the life that was into the uncertainty of who knows what life is literally at this moment what is their life and what is it going to be like I'm wondering if you can share, yeah, were there any critical decisions you made at that time? Like you obviously made the decision to have chemotherapy and I'm wondering did you think about what are my options, were there options, or was it like, no, this is now? Yes, really, it was a really um, difficult time for me because 
part of my, I guess, part of the way that I'd been living was very much around um, being kind of respectful of what I put into my body in terms of food. And I was very um, into kind of, you know, meditation and healthy exercise. And so the whole concept of chemotherapy was something that I really did not want to participate in. I felt really uncomfortable with it. And I uh, did explore other options in that week and had discussions with um, a couple of oncologists and and doctors and um, I even contacted like an oncologist in America who is sort of more into, I guess, um, integrative oncology and the advice that I was given with the diagnosis that I had was that I would it even yeah it would I would it would be silly not to have any chemotherapy at all like chemotherapy is what was I guess um it was I guess a vital component of what I was told I should I I, I should participate in in terms of my treatment and um there's also my, my my father and my brother are doctors, so right. there was also, I guess, uh, I, I did feel pressure from that yeah. perspective as well um, because I do have a more liberal approach to, to health uh, than my family. My family are um, a lot more scientific than, than I am from that perspective. And then, yeah, so it was... And even the first day of going into chemotherapy was extremely traumatic for me. I yeah. I felt sick and actually even trying to get myself to the car to go to that first chemotherapy appointment was really, yeah, that was really tough and, and very emotional. And I sort of felt like I felt like I was almost um, not, not selling my soul, but I, I felt this yeah, really awful sense of, of leaving myself and, and not um, and not being true to my values. And yeah. that's hard. Uh, but I, in saying that, I did manage to reconcile that over the coming weeks with, um, with I guess, what I thought was an integrative approach. So I decided I'm going to use western medicine but then i'm also going to integrate that with a number of other complementary therapies that are going to support my body and mind and spirit uh, alongside the the chemotherapy and the other western um sort of uh treatment i guess and so i had a wonderful kinesiologist who really helped me physically and emotionally i guess accept chemotherapy and we did a whole lot of work in targeting it to the area where it was needed and 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 just it yeah it really helped helped me feel um a a sense of acceptance and that it would it would do the work that it needed to do and that I would also be able to if I was looking after myself that I'd be able to detoxify and get as much out um of my of my body and my system uh if I was yeah using these other therapies and supplements to help me do that and what's your perspective now sort of down the track like you made that decision in the moment it felt 
What I'm hearing, it was tough and it felt out of alignment with your belief system and who you wanted to be, like Mm. how you wanted to address health issues. But it also worked. Mm. And I'm wondering what your perspective is now as you look back. Yes. If I look back, I wouldn't wouldn't change. I wouldn't change what I've done. I feel really comfortable with um, with the decision that I made in the end, albeit I had to grapple with, um, you know, at the beginning I had to grapple with a, a whole lot of stuff that was going on for me. But I think that was all part of the process for me in um, surrendering, accepting, um, not being able to control everything and then to be able to focus on the other aspect of my healing and treatment uh, and feeling that that could kind of bring things back into kind of alignment in a way as well. Sort of I ended up looking at it as, oh, you know, Western medicine is definitely going to help me and particularly with the type of breast cancer that I had. If it was yeah. a diff- if it was another type of breast cancer, my approach potentially would have been different. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, and um, now that I'm through treatment 15 months later and feeling as as well and vital as I've ever felt in my life, yeah. I yeah, I think those decisions have, have led me to where I am now. So I wouldn't change them, yeah. And in terms of other people's responses and reactions, I mean, one of the big things when you have serious illness is the chorus of everybody else's opinions about what you should do, what you could do, um, who's in the room, who's not in the room. And you've already talked about how you came from a Western medicine scientific family and there were strong views in the room. How did you manage listening to your perspective and what clouded out your perspective? Yeah, so I think I was really strong on my my perspective on my illness and my diagnosis. That was something I owned from day one. I had this, I guess, I had this horrible reaction that I didn't want people to feel sorry for me or think of me as being a different person to the one that I was. So I was yeah. very conscious of owning the communication of what my diagnosis was, how I wanted to uh, manage it and what I needed from the people around me in my life. And, look, I think it helped that I, you know, I had, a, I guess, a career in, in communications and marketing that that's sort of one of the you know, one of my strengths, but I have to say that that was so vital in setting the scene for how I wanted things to move forward in terms of I didn't want people to, I guess, emotionally collapse or project their fear or their distress onto me. So how did you do this, Kath? Like practically, what did you say or do? So, so initially when I got the diagnosis, I drafted a text message to my, my closest girlfriends 
which I sent to them. I didn't call them. Right. Actually, I sent a message to say mm. I'd had a shot breast cancer diagnosis that it was um, that I was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I did have to have some significant treatment, but that I was feeling positive about mm-hmm. the road ahead and what I needed to do and that I needed for them to support me by being positive. And, yeah, that was that was kind of it. And that I, I wanted to talk about it and I was happy to have a conversation about it, yeah. but I just wanted them to understand how I was feeling before I had to have a, a conversation and manage other people's emotions because I was very, uh, and you know, I, I'm very, in, I'm very kind of mindful of, of of energy and how energy can really affect the way we we feel. So I didn't want to be taking on other people's distress and energy in what yeah. was already quite a traumatic experience for me. So I was trying to manage that, but also being obviously, um, I guess, openly and genuinely communicative with the people that I loved and so that worked so well for me because I and I in fact and other people say it, it worked really well for them because they had an opportunity to just let it sink in as well and not have that feeling of shock and the initial reaction which everyone does it it, it yeah. really hurts them when they find out that type of news and so um yeah I think for me that that was that that was a tool that I've recommended to other people to use if if they feel that that would work for them because I think that is a huge part of a process when you get a diagnosis, communicating it. There are many different groups in your life that you need to communicate it with and that's exhausting in itself and, um, yeah, it takes a lot of energy and time in that first few weeks to did anybody buck the trend or want to be more dramatic than, like you're already in the midst of making some pretty fast, hard decisions right up against mortality. Mm-hmm. You've sent out a message saying, hey, I mean, this is pretty fast thinking, but I think also for women joining us here, it's you have a way that you work out how you're going to work with your illness. Now that might take some time and everybody's already in the soup, but did you have people where who didn't follow the line or you felt you needed to address in a different way? No, look, I didn't feel that I had anyone who really didn't. I think most people were very respectful of my of my wishes and the way that I kind of, yeah, initially came through with the communication. Uh, I guess... It, it's still interesting, though, that even with my openness and, and the communication, I did find that there were people who found it incredibly difficult to acknowledge or know what to say or even address the yeah. fact that I had breast cancer or how I was going or um, just a simple kind of yeah communication, which, um, again, it was surprising, but it, it now I look at it, you know, human beings often we're not taught how to even communicate in these types of situations. And for some people who aren't overly emotionally connected to themselves or find it difficult, that's actually a really hard thing for them 
to do. And so, yeah, I look, a really close friend of mine pulled away, really did not know how to communicate with me at all over that period. Like I, I really felt her absence and that was that was tough. And how regularly as a good friend would she have been in your life, just in ordinary life when she pulled away? Like what's the difference between presence and absence? Look, we we were historically uh, friends for a very long period of time. We didn't have regular contact, I guess, weekly or anything like that, but we would have spoken or had contact every couple of weeks. Yeah. So that's pretty regular every couple of weeks in the middle of two lives, kids, partners, yeah, and everything exactly. that that entails. Yes, exactly. And, um, yeah, I, I barely heard really anything from her really during the whole 12 months. There was, she look, she did come to chemotherapy once, um, yes. but it, it was just, it was interesting and I even... I brought it up with her and it was, you know, again, she didn't see it that way. So um, that's okay. But as, again, that's another part of going through something like cancer or a serious illness. It does, it transforms relationships in your life. And that's one of the things that I'm just starting to, I guess, notice even more now as I'm settling into like I'm still in transition now and I'm just finding my feet with all of these changes that, that have happened uh, since since the diagnosis. Yeah, I think one of the things is for me it's like who turns up and who disappears and in a flare or in a serious process. And I came to that experience by learning that there would People played different roles. So the people that I didn't see very often, even in my ordinary life, some of those were the ones who took me to appointments and really turned up for the day in, day out of a very intense time. And other people who were much closer, again, like you're saying, didn't have the capacity to meet the experience that I was having or wanted to reframe it And it's curious, many of us sort of go off social media at the time when we're in the middle of serious illness or can't face the world or are very sort of overwhelmed by the experience. So when did you decide to really engage social media and do you know why that was there as part of your process? Well, yes. Um, I, I guess... When I was first diagnosed, I decided that was part of wanting to communicate to people uh, where, how I was and where I was coming from so that anyone who heard about my diagnosis could see me and see how I was and what I was feeling rather than secondhand information being handed down from someone who doesn't know me to someone... So that's why initially I I think maybe two weeks after I was diagnosed, I'd had one round of chemotherapy. I decided to post just on my personal uh, personal Instagram account just to say that I'd had a shock, you know, breast cancer diagnosis, but also to thank people for the love and support that had been shown my way and just to say that, you know, I'm doing, I've got quite a lot of treatment to get through, but my prognosis is pretty positive and I'm feeling 
know, healthy and positive and and that sort of that felt really good. And then the support that came back to me just through comments and and I I just felt this kind of beautiful love come through the airwaves. And I thought, yeah. this is really, this is special. And then I thought to myself, I wanted to document the process and the process, not only for, you know, friends, family, even, you know, not really close people, people who wanted to see what it was like to go through breast cancer. I wanted to do it for myself. This is really profound to me. I mean, I find this, not only did you do that, but you actually called your account My Healing I called it healing breast cancer. Healing breast cancer, which is so fascinating because when if I saw that, I would think woo-woo meditation, you know, this is the perfect way to miraculously cure a cancer diagnosis. But that's actually not what your journey was. No. So that messaging was really fascinating can you speak a little more about this all lines up with the way that you went into the experience and chose a relationship with yourself which actually seems to have come from you were looking for more intimacy you were looking to be more real hello turns out this process really landed you in that yes exactly so I wouldn't change anything about the process. Even if I could, yeah. I would still go through the process of having breast cancer because of, of, of that, of what you've just spoken about. It really has been so transformational in my sacred relationship with self. That is the the greatest gift that I have got. It makes me emotional to talk about it, but just yeah, the the deep love with myself. It 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 connected me with with living and life in a way that I didn't I I, I didn't have that before. And even every day I wake up and I still feel that deep connection. Even, you know, I'm not living with cancer anymore as a disease. I still am living with the cancer diagnosis and the lessons that it's taught me. And they are so profound. And for me, they they have changed my DNA, my energy on a cellular level. So that for me is so powerful because it's, like a, it's like my body, I guess, you know, you think about a fingerprint, it's like my body fingerprint has completely changed. Mm-hmm. And so the way that I um, I view and my perspective on life and relationships is, is completely different and something that I am so, so very privileged and grateful for. I just feel every day when I wake up, I just yeah, I feel so. Um, I guess there's a, there's a lot of a lot of joy, but just a lot of a lot of presence in in this body as a as an incredible vessel of of life in this life. And yeah, I feel a, such a deep 
appreciation and connection within my body too and a listening, a, a listening into my body a lot more, a listening and a feeling. So there's so much, there's this, yeah, it, which started when I found the lump. That, that, and that, that was the first moment of truly listening in a long time. It, yeah, I really feel it was. And then I developed a really beautiful connection with, with my breast lump as well. It became something of a, um, you know, as I started talking to it, massaging it, really connecting in with um, with my body and not being fearful of it, knowing that these cells had whatever they had created a lump here for whatever reason, it was still part of who I was and that uh, the power in our words, I mean, I, 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 I truly believe that our words and the way we speak to our body and to ourself is so important. So for me there was a lot of, um, a lot of positive affirmation in the belief that my body could and would heal and that I that I needed to there was a trust as well this just you know I guess there was I know someone said to me oh did you lose trust in your body and I said funnily enough I gained more trust in my body during this experience than, Mm. than I had I know that's not everyone's experience but for me I gained a deeper sense of trust in my body so can we talk about you know, and I really hear the emotional process that's still in you about what the experience has brought to you. And it wasn't just a miraculous, oh, I've got breast cancer, all my relationships have now transformed. It wasn't sort of A and then B. What was the actual process for you? Like what did it challenge? What did it bring up? which relationships when you talk now about the gratitude for what is I'm really curious about what was and then what was that journey really look like in you know the raw authentic process of it yeah I think it it started with that deeper question of why are we here what is the meaning of our life when I guess mortality becomes this kind of real question in your life when you think maybe I won't have as long to live as I thought I would or I'm thinking about death, my own death, really seriously for the first time. And in that space all these questions and thoughts start coming up into your into your consciousness and for me I started to not only I guess I started to look back at right all as a lot of different I guess relationships and phases of my life and phases of me I guess the the um uh I guess that there was the teenager and the the young the young girl, and then there was the 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 young woman pre children, then the the woman who had you know young babies. So I started looking back at all of those, uh, yeah, phases of my life, and I felt that I hadn't appreciated them. I felt right. like 
life was um, that I'd just been on this treadmill, jumping, 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 always wanting to get to the next thing. Yeah. Um, and that actually I'd had so many beautifully significant, incredible experiences and relationships and, and travel and things that I'd not forgotten about but that I just don't think I'd savoured enough or um, really appreciated. So I sort of felt like I wanted to go back and just connect with some of what made me me because all of these experiences were part of, was, you know, part of who uh, I guess I, I, I am and I was. So <clears throat> I think that was a really emotional and quite difficult process. That happened whilst I was going through chemo and I was really, I guess, quite vulnerable, but it was just I couldn't stop myself. It just was like this huge torrent that had yeah. to be looked at. So I was going back. I had because I'm someone who keeps a lot of old diaries and photos, right. cards and letters, and so I just I had boxes and boxes of stuff, and I it, it was a bit manic, I guess, and old photos and things. But it was it was really cathartic because it reconnected me in with parts of myself, and it also helped centre me as well and make me think, wow, I've uh, I've got so much in my in my life as well. It made me realise that, and um, it also it also made me realise as well that there were things that I wanted to change and things that weren't going so well, or just dysfunctional patterns that I had allowed to happen, or just participate in over years and so that these things started just coming up and I was thinking oh, I'm gonna have to change things there's there's things I all of a sudden I could just feel so much emotion brewing up and so much wanting to change things that um had I guess just been I'd been coasting along in life can you share with us to the level that you're willing to what those things are because I think for me and for other women who have a different experience than you we we might long for the life that we thought might have been possible and then you've had the life that was possible for you and this very late moment and there was still a sense of grief that rose even though what I'm hearing is you've done a lot of things, but there was change. There was change in you and there was change on the horizon in your life as it was, even with the fullness of working and children and husband and travel. The illness experience brought you face-to-face -face with change now. Yeah, I mean, I, my belief is that my breast cancer diagnosis was extremely it, traumatic because yeah. it was a shock and it was a trauma. And I feel like in any trauma, it can sometimes bring up or highlight 
dysfunction that may already be existing and kind of be allowed to play out under a normal set of circumstances. But once that changes, it can then, it, 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 it almost morphs it into a different yeah, it's a different life, but it's also people start behaving in a, in a in a different way. And I know, in particular, in my relationship with with my husband, we we'd had, you know, I guess we'd been together when I was diagnosed, been together for eighteen years, and mm. we'd had some really, I guess, some really strong years and some really really difficult challenges in our marriage. And we, I think, we'd reached a point where we were functioning, we were very low functioning in that we weren't addressing, neither of us were really addressing what was going on underneath the surface, which was I think we both were ignoring the fact that we had become disconnected. Um, Right. And we were probably both using alcohol to find a way to connect Mm -hmm. and um, and then when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, it was my husband just, you know, he really didn't cope very well. And so he started using alcohol a lot more. I wasn't drinking at all then. And so it kind of, it, it really challenged us to yeah. the point that I, you know, I, I was prepared for our marriage not to continue and mm. I was prepared to leave our marriage and I hadn't been in that I wouldn't have made that decision before because I had myself in this I guess I think I'd put this set of conditions on myself that I thought that I needed to have a family that was together that was married all of these things but once I'd been through I I never thought I'd I'd have a breast cancer diagnosis. Of course. I'd be going through chemotherapy. I thought life is so unpredictable. There are no conditions anymore. I'm not putting conditions on myself. I am, I yeah, and so that's when I saw that I could live a life not in this marriage. I could live my life any way that I chose to because the fact was I was so fucking grateful to have my life. Yeah. I wanted to be happy as in, I'm not meaning happy, happy, but I wanted to be living that in the best way possible to my heart and to my truth. And so that was what emerged. I didn't want to continue to live, uh, you know, half, half in, half out, I guess. And so that the transformation that happened from that perspective was, I, my husband and I started having some really difficult, difficult, deep conversations about our relationship, uh, where we we're at personally, what we wanted for our future, for our kids, and it 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 was it was huge. And we went through counselling, um, marriage counselling together. My husband did his own counselling. I did my own counselling. It was a long process, and it wasn't easy. It was very painful and challenging and uh, some of the most uncomfortable periods I've ever had in my life. Uh, But (laughs) we worked our way down into the depths of 
what, what was real, like what was actually going on in the relationship. Going on, and as I mean, I'm a big believer that in in the depths of the darkness, you actually find the most incredible connection, and that's what we found. We found that down there in the dark, uncomfortable place where sometimes couples people aren't prepared to go and Mm. I understand that people sometimes don't go there but we and you know hats off to him he wanted to go there and Mm. I I guess that was the one thing I always had I get I had a belief that there was a deep loyalty and connection between us it was always there but it had just got clouded over by so many other things and that we had to deep dive down into all of that murky darkness to come back to recreate a new relationship, rebirth, whatever. Um, It feels like that. And now in, you know, January 2021, we are... We're in the best, most, it's a, yeah, I mean, it's a work in progress still. Of course. We are so, we are connected, we are true, we are real, we are genuinely um, communicating. And and I, I feel a deep, you know, really a real deep sense of, of love for him um, and an ability to share what's happening for me as well, like on a deep level, which I, I don't think I was able to do before. Um, so it's opened up that that channel as well. And so that's been a miraculous part of the experience for me is this renewed connection with my husband really has. And, and all in the process while you're having treatment, like while he is suddenly the partner of yeah. a wife with breast cancer unexpectedly and you're raising children... And the other thing I want to bring contextually for everyone is that you're in Melbourne, Australia. So all of this went through 2020 in terms of a long part of this journey that you've been in at a time when we were not allowed out of our houses, (laughs) when we were all locked in. So it could have gone one or two ways. You're either going to do it and dive deep or it's really going to be fragile. And I feel like... You don't know that until you go through the process which way that's going to go. Like it must have felt for you like this is a questioning time. It wasn't like you absolutely knew how this was going to land. No, absolutely not. And that is the thing. I think the one of the lessons I've learned is we don't know. And so it's just about being present in the experience at the time and not having too much control over the outcome so that for me was another beautiful lesson of of breast cancer was to be present in the day each day rather than thinking to when treatment had finished or when I was cancer free I needed to be present in the experience which is true of any relationship and any any experience that we have in life so I found that for me that's why I, I do feel a lot more content because I am more present in just the day and not the 
forward always thinking about what is happening next or what is that going to get me. So, um, yeah, I think definitely acceptance and surrender for me were two big things because I was a bit of a probably a bit, bit of a control freak in many ways before I was diagnosed, trying to control outcomes or hoping I could and, um, yeah. <laughs> And the other part of this process that I'd like to move us into um, is that you then made some choices about your employment. So Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, you were in PR for quite a corporate PR role. It was a very fast-paced environment, lots of clients, and you had, of course, long-term colleagues that you were in relationship with. So I'm wondering if you can just share with us what do you think were some of the best decisions you made about working or not working in that time? And where did you end up once you went through this process? Yes. So I did, I worked um, for part of my treatment, part of my chemotherapy. Uh, I was only working, I was working part-time at the time, so three days. And I had a very, look, I had a, I was so lucky with my um with my employment that my boss was a good friend of mine and she was extremely flexible with what I chose to do. It was pretty much I could do what I wanted. I could either work or I didn't have to or I could work a few hours um, or I could work around when my treatment was. So I guess that that felt instantly, it, it took a whole, I guess, weight off my shoulders that I didn't have to worry about work from that perspective but I guess from because I'd made a decision that I wanted to learn and go through the process of, of breast cancer as an opportunity to kind of, I guess, heal emotionally, spiritually and physically, I didn't say work as part. I didn't want to be putting time, huge amount of time into my employment during that process it didn't feel intrinsically right for me. And that, I guess, that I, I felt that early on. And so I had a discussion with with um, Lara, uh, who was my boss, and explained to her that that was how I felt. And, look, she took it really well. I said, look, I'm, I'm going to need to take some extended time off. It's just it feels like what I wanted to do. When I wasn't in treatment, I wanted to be out in nature walking or spending time with family or friends or just doing things that actually made my being feel feel good and it wasn't being in an office in the city managing clients. <laughs> and we need to be really clear about this, that you had that financial capacity to make that choice as well. Like you came in a context where you weren't paying the rent and had just this that was actually vital to your economic security. Exactly. So, again, I was very privileged and very lucky and I also um, I was lucky that I had income protection insurance as well right. uh, that I'd, you know, taken out through my super probably yeah. 20 years ago. And so, again, that was, for me, that was such a fantastic, um, I guess, it was fantastic to be able to access that um, over the time that I was going through 
through treatment. And I know not everyone has that opportunity. Yeah. But um, so I, I do feel really lucky that I was able to take time off and just dedicate that to what I was going through and, you know, to rest and recuperate when I wanted to and to um, fight, yeah, because I, re- I was doing so much reading. I, I just, yeah, the ho- I, I got I, not consumed by the whole thing, but it was something that I just was so thirsty for knowledge for. So for me it was all about knowledge is power. So I was always, I was reading so many books about different was and generally it was positive stuff. I wanted to be filled with positive stories or ways that I could help my body um, heal itself more quickly. And so that that was how I chose to to make myself stay in a positive mind as well, listening to podcasts and all sorts of things, and and obviously my my Instagram account too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I feel like, and and so then the decision to go back to work I mean that sort of with COVID it was sort of a really strange time because then obviously COVID came came to town (laughs) and everyone was working from home the the business that I was the PR business that I was working for sort of changed structure as well but look I'd I'd sort of already come to a decision that I didn't want to continue working in PR and that I wanted to do something something else. And through the breast cancer experience, I, you know, came up with a new business idea and then also through stopping drinking as well, I'm going to start doing some, um, you know, some coaching in that area too. So even the, the experience of, of breast cancer has been instrumental in sort of changing my my career and how I'm deciding to to spend my time. And so do you want to share with us then what your vision is and what's important for you now? And I think it would be helpful in that uh, in terms of are there any ongoing physical symptoms that you get? Do you still get fatigue? Where are you at physically while also creating something new? Yeah, so look, physically... I feel I feel the best I've ever felt. Yeah. And that's honestly. Um, I don't have any symptoms at the moment from the treatment yeah. or surgery. Uh, I feel really well. Um, and emotionally? But, yeah, emotionally. I think emotionally I'm I'm fragile. Um, not not fragile as in it's fragile in that I'm integrating everything still and there's still so much that's coming up. So I get quite I get taken by surprise sometimes at how am I sh- like just I, I I feel things a lot more than I used to and I just I yeah I think. Um, even I was walking with my husband earlier in the week and I were walking and I started crying and I just said, I just I just wish people could be more open sometimes or just want to connect more deeply. Like I've I've had a couple of experiences lately that have just yeah, been, I guess, hurtful with some friendships and 
I'm I'm grappling with have I changed, have they changed, am I too much for people now, do they not want to be friends with me because I'm not, there's just, there's this whole thing going on. So yeah. it feels, I, I still feel like I'm really, I am in transition. I haven't, I'm still kind of working out who I, who I, who I am, yeah. and, who where I am and, and where I fit in here in this world at the moment, this new world, this new kind of post-breast cancer world. And then, some parts of life are so incredible. As I, as I said to a friend, I am living my best life at the moment in many ways. I feel so happy with the time that I have and how I'm choosing to spend yeah. it. And that, I that is what I love is that I have that that choice. And I think I'm making really um, conscious, much more conscious choices of how I spend my time than I would have in the past because I appreciate the time that I have more than I ever have because when I thought that some of this time could be taken from me um, and now in a way I feel like I've had it given back. Yeah. Um, it, I don't, yeah, I, 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 I'm just choosing to spend it it's more precious it's like a more precious commodity to me so I really value it um and it it kind of feel that's why I feel it just it, just having the time feels like this amazing gift and that's why every day I do feel this real sense of joy to be to be here even in the really shitty days or the hard days it's sort of it's still pretty great um and I, yeah, I can, I, I, I see that in myself, and that's the other thing. Um, I caught up with a friend who I hadn't seen for a while, um, a couple of weeks ago, and she said to me, "Oh my gosh, you!" She said, "You look so something in you, your spirit or something feels so good and amazing. Can I have some of what you have?" Yeah. <laughs> Without the breast cancer diagnosis and chemo and treatment. <laughs> that sounds like a gorgeous way to bring our time together to a close, Kat. I'm wondering if there's anything that, for anybody who's deep in that struggle and deep in the darkness that you talked about in the grit, we've talked a lot about the outcomes of that process, but right in the middle of that grit and that vulnerability and that tenacity that you have to have to face things that are not shiny and sunny on the day that you're having them. I'm wondering if there's anything you would like to share that helped you with that time that has brought you to this moment, even if it's a commitment you made to yourself. Mm. I I made a commitment to myself in those really, really dark and challenging times to just take it one minute at a time. It was so important to just stay there and know that that, that pain and that challenge and that that dark, I guess, experience was actually 
connecting me deeper with the part of myself that would then, they're, they're, in connecting with the darkness, there then becomes this, I think, growth and flourishing at a point in time. It comes afterwards. But my, I mean, my belief in life is that it, everything comes from that, everything comes from the darkness. The darkness is so important and sometimes we get thrown in there without wanting to be there. Um, and, I mean, I don't know if anyone really wants to be there, but I think it it enables us to connect more on a human, a human and a sacred level with ourselves and with other people. And if one piece of advice I would offer is that if you can share that, if you can reach out and talk to someone about that, and what you're going through, um, that's that's a beautiful thing to be able to do. It, fe- it just feels like that human connection is a much more uh, it's, a, it's on a much more emotional kind of level. And I think as humans, we've sometimes we've forgotten that. And if we can, yeah, if we can meet each other in the darkness. It's, yeah, I think there's a real beauty there, an absolute beauty. There's beauty in the darkness. I found a lot of it there. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking your time to share with us. I really appreciate the vulnerability and the raw truth that you've shone through in this discussion. We'll make sure that Kath's Instagram handles and socials and all the things she's launching this year are accessible in the show notes. And we look forward to you joining us again as our audience in the next interview. Take care. Isn't she great? I really love Kath. We've become such good friends. And one of the things I want to share with you about her is that she's just released these beautiful body lotions and body washes in her new product, My Breast Friend. So we'll put all that in the show notes. So many of you have been asking me about how do I get great boundaries? How do I have these difficult conversations? And how do I access these resources in my own way, at my own time, at my own pace? So I'm thrilled to share with you, this week we are releasing Magnificence. It's a series of five masterclasses in a beautiful collection that I have curated for you. It comes with workbooks, it comes with the videos, it also comes with audio versions. So if screen time is not great for you, don't worry. I completely get it. Screen time is not great for me. So every masterclass is also produced as an audio. I take you through how to change your story of illness, how to have great badass boundaries, how to be your own best advocate with clinicians, how to harness what I think of as the five powers of chronic illness to make great decisions, plus a bonus masterclass with the incredible Sarah Ramy and a sacred freedom bonus meditation and ritual. It's all in the link. It's all on the website. Pop over there 
And don't forget, I share heaps of resources and tips on my Instagram account, at Michelle Irving Official. So great to have you with me this week, and I look forward to talking together again next time.